When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. We are live here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel. Anthony Broom here with former Michigan Wolverine and no longer the last on the last team to beat Ohio State. Ryan Van Bergen here to react to... I can't even believe it, Ryan. I mean, a 42-27 win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm getting an echo here for some reason. That's what happens when you do it live. I- I'm. We'll do the full takeaways thing tomorrow like we normally do. I mean, this is raw, pure emotion. Ryan, just give me what's going through your head right now. Oh, I'm so happy. I, think I just am overjoyed for this team. I just feel like there's a dynamic of this team and the makeup of this team and the seniors and the leadership that reminds me of the team 132 that I had back in 2011. And uh, if you've ever played football, if you ever put the pads on, you know the difference between a good team and a great team. And we've had some good teams, but this is a great team and they capitalized uh, on the biggest stage. And uh, what, what a way to, to finish off your, your career as far as times you'll play in the big house. I mean, that's something that you don't necessarily talk about all the time, but the last game in the big house against Ohio state, if you get that opportunity as a senior that you get to play at home and win that game, it is the best game by far and away by a long shot of any game you'll ever play there. And I'm so thrilled for, for the players, for Harbaugh. He's got the monkey off his back uh, for the program. That's huge for recruiting. Uh, It's just, it's so fantastic in every single way. Yeah, I I should say also I am doing this show. I am at uh, I am in Ann Arbor. Wow, what a day it's been here! I mean, the atmosphere was incredible from the jump. Uh, getting into town uh, earlier this morning, walking through downtown. Uh, I am doing this show from where the Ohio State coaches the coaches box. And folks, let me tell you, um, the team is not the only thing on the field that got trashed. This place is a freaking mess. Uh, there are water bottles everywhere. There's a spit cup to the left of me. Um, it just. This is just so this is so euphoric for Michigan fans, for former players like yourself who especially I mean you were on a team that was the last team to do that and you've said you were begging them last week, please take that title away from me. I mean the support, um the, the cohesiveness that this group has had for each other. Ryan, they're going to Indianapolis next week. This wasn't a feel good win at the end of the season. This was the biggest win of the Jim Harbaugh era and it doesn't erase everything that came before it, but the only thing now that matters is what happens next. And it is uh, just what a day to be a Michigan fan. 
It's what a day. And I mean, finally, right? I mean, the Big Ten Championship has been around, I think, since 2011, since I played was the first year that it came into existence. And we haven't been there. I mean, think about it. The list of people who have been to this game, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Northwestern has been to this game. Michigan State's been more than once. And Michigan has not had an opportunity to play in Indianapolis for all the marbles since the inception of the Big Ten Championship game. And now we're there, you know, not only are now we're there, but we at, we're there after a COVID season where we don't really know what what to make of it, but it wasn't good. And, and all the rumors surrounding Harbaugh and the contract change and all the incentives that were added in to try and see if we can, you know, motivate a win. He changes the staff up and no one knows what expectations to have for this season. And this is when we make it. I mean, uh, you couldn't feel better about where Michigan's going. I mean, obviously where we are is exciting, but where we're going and the trend of the team, it's unbelievable because, you know, if you were to say that not only are we going to compete with Ohio State, but we're going to wipe it with Ohio State, which is what we just did, no one would have believed you back in August. I don't even think Harbaugh would have believed you back in August. And this is where we're at. Well, sometimes you just kind of have to fake it till you make it, right? I mean, coming off the season that they had, I mean, it was everyone having low expectations coming into the year was was completely justified. And what this team did, they set it, they set a tone, first day of workouts, first day of whatever. I mean, it happened long before they said at Big Ten Media Day, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. Like the work was put in as soon as they know who was here, who was on this team and who would be helping them prepare for this game on Saturday. So, I mean, it's... I mean, they just going through the box score here. I mean, they did pretty much. I mean, they outgained Ohio State, four eighty-seven to four fifty-eight. Um, they kind of let C.J. Stroud and those wide receivers get theirs. They threw for three hundred ninety-four yards, but uh, thirty carries, sixty-four yards, just a, a workmanlike effort by the Michigan defense. Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, had the game of his life again. Something we said that was going to be a legacy game for him, and he goes, he goes in the books now as one of the. I mean, I think one of the most the best players in Michigan football history. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, he does. I mean, for him to pass Lamar Woodley, Lamar Woodley is quite the the, the career, both college and professional, uh, to be ahead of him. Not only be ahead of him, but he'd be ahead of him when you have Ojabo, who's sitting at, what, fourth overall in, in sacks in Michigan history. So think about it, if Ojabo hadn't gotten there a couple of these times, Hutchinson could be sitting at 16, 17, having a Chase Young type year uh, as far as the defensive end position. It is an absolute, not to bring negativity to what we're feeling right now, but it is a travesty that Aiden Hutchinson is not a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year award. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's an oversight uh, that I don't know if it's more, there's been something more egregious. This guy is not only maybe the best football player in college, but to say that he's not the finalist is a top three defensive player in college football, uh, someone needs to review this because this guy is dominant. He's a force. He's been that way, game in, game out. And it's a it's it's unfair and kind of a slap in the face that this guy is not a finalist for the defensive player of the year, which is what Woodley won, by the way, when he set that sack record. Well, let's go. Let's go back to and we'll do the deeper dive tomorrow. But let's talk about uh, Mike McDonald's defensive game plan. How did you I mean, it, it was kind of exactly what you said you hoped it would be. Force them to kick field goals. Let them take 10, 15 yards at a time. Make them go the long way. I mean, there were a lot of drives when Ohio State scored. Um I think maybe 10 play drives, 11 play drives, 13 play drives. I mean, you're not going to shut down an offense like that, but Michigan, I think, was about as good as you could ask for defensively today. 
It was exactly uh, me and McDonald have no relationship in case anyone was at was curious. I don't know the man, but uh, it was exactly what I thought we should do strategically to limit the damage that Ohio State can cause and do offensively. Like you said, make them go the long way. They're not going to score. What, what I mean, what was the biggest play that Michigan or I'm sorry, that Ohio State had was maybe an Olave fade there in the fourth quarter where JT Turner's in perfect position and he just makes an awesome play. I mean, even Garrett Wilson's touchdown, we're a perfect position with Vincent Gray and he makes a hell of a play. I mean, those are going to happen. You're playing against the best receivers in college football, but for us to limit the big play like we did in this game and to make them go the length of the field, we took them completely out of their comfort zone. Ohio State, I'm shocked by a lot of things, but I'm shocked, I think, primarily by how shook Ohio State looked in this game. From the very jump, they looked jumpy. They looked scattered. They didn't look composed. And they looked like they were worried from the very first snap. And I feel like we kind of smelled blood and just fed off of it. And That's surprising considering that they've never lost a Big Ten game under the leadership of Ryan Day. And, you know, we just continue to capitalize. We dominated this game from the very first play till, you know, we were in victory formation. It was a complete football game against a very good Ohio State team. Like, don't start saying that Ohio State's not good. This is a good team. And uh, Michigan just took it to them. They were behind the woodshed banging it out, and they had no answers, no response. I was waiting for a second half for it to get more competitive, and we just pulled away. Just a great four quarters of football in the biggest game that they've played in in since 2016, maybe before then. Ever, probably. I mean, considering what was on the line. I think something that we talked about, too, is like not shooting yourselves in the foot. And there there were points early on in this game, Michigan probably should have gone up 14-0. Cade throws a pick in the end zone, or in the red zone. Um, there was uh, German, German Green ran into the ran into uh, Ohio State's punt returner. That was an unforced error. RJ Moten dropped an interception. Like Michigan was in control of this game, but you you drop those moments and, and you're like, oh God, those are the plays you have to make. But it just felt like uh, you know Ohio State had the share of drops too. I mean, talk about those wide receivers. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Holy cow, is he a good player? Eleven catches, 127 yards. Made a few catches that kept Ohio State in this game late. Uh, quite frankly. Um, 10 catches, 119 yards for Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, se- seven catches, 88 yards. They were as advertised. And C.J. Stroud, a lot of the time, was as advertised. But um, you got to him enough. And the biggest key, and this is something that I think we may have talked about earlier this week, they shut down the run. 30 carries for 64 yards. We talked about how there may have been a weakness where Michigan hadn't been as, po- as strong as they had been early in the year at the point of attack. Talk about how those dudes in the trenches played. They played really well. The other thing that I talked about, which I thought they were – Ohio State was trying to take advantage and exploit, but we shored up was when we play coverage, we're calling a defense with the anticipation that they're going to throw. We want to keep it in front of us. When we play coverage, we've had a hard time fitting the run when the run comes. And there were a lot of plays where Rod Moore, I know I talked about him and I'm riding that pony still, but like Rod Moore, Dax Hill, a lot of these guys came down and in plays like Nebraska and Michigan State, where we came down and didn't fit well and it busted for 25, 30 plus and big yardage, we shut it down for four yards, five yards. So on plays where they were set up to run the football and like their look, 
we still came down and had a minimal gain. And that was huge. Those are the little things that you don't necessarily notice. Um, up front, we played really well. Mozzie Smith had one of his best games. Uh, Hinton played really well. Jeter had a huge tackle for loss. Um, I know I've talked about the defensive tackles. As good as our defense has been, the defensive tackles have been a spot of vulnerability for us and not this game. Uh, they showed up in a big way. And, I mean, that's the case with everybody. I feel like... Yes, we played a good game. There were some things we could have cleaned up, like you mentioned, the drop pick, uh, the interception that Cade threw early, uh, some different things like that. We weren't lined up all the time, all, and they were catching us with tempo. But regardless, we got the job done, and all positions and all facets got the job done. Our coverage was fantastic. I mean, the, the, those guys had some good stat lines, but they were never behind us, and they made contested catches. And the secondary development from what it was last year to what we just saw in the Ohio State game versus maybe one of the most elite passing attacks in college football, you just golf clap because that is an amazing development from our secondary. And even though they didn't make a bunch of huge plays, the reason Ohio State didn't make a bunch of huge plays is because they were in the right positions and knew what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, it was just incredible, really on both sides of the ball for both these teams, the, guys, the amount of guys that stepped up and made can plays. We, like you said, Vincent can Gray, you I mean, can I hear you? Are you there, Ryan? Did you freeze on me? Sorry, Anthony. I don't know if you're catching me. We're getting a little. Okay, we lost Ryan, and now I'm on split screen. Um, while we wait for Ryan to come back, as he's calling in now. It's all right. Sometimes that happens live. It is what it is. Everyone's still with us, so hey, you know what? It's a good day on the field. Anyone can forgive us for what happens here. Um, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, uh, just the the plays that were made on both sides. Really, when a guy like Vincent Gray got beat, uh, it was because a guy like Smith and Jigba or Olave or Wilson just made a hell of a play, and that was going to happen in this game. So, um, you know, talk. What did you see? Like, there were a couple times in this game where, like you said, the missed opportunities and the well, here we go again. That type of thing happens, but this it just doesn't seem like throughout the year it's been in Michigan's DNA to fold in those situations. Uh, what did you see out of them in terms of a response? I mean, obviously the scoreboard says what it does, but this just felt a lot different uh, going into this game and then the result being what it was on the field. I really think Saturday and what Ohio State did was a result or what they did or didn't do. I don't think they expected Michigan to come out and fight like that because they've had a long history in these games against Harbaugh, especially lately, where – when things get tough, they kind of fold, and they never did. And I think that Ohio State was really caught off guard by that. I think so. Like I said, they look shook up. And as much as Olave and Smith and Jibwa and Wilson and Stroud had a good game, they also were off their game just a little bit. And I was talking with a friend about this. I don't know how much this plays into it, but I do think it's a factor when you watch Reggie Bush shivering down there trying to do a broadcast. <laughs> uh, Stroud is from Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, Olave is from Cali. Uh, Smith and Nujibwa, I think, is from Texas. These boys don't play in the snow. They're not used to the Midwest conditions. And I think it definitely had an impact on this game that we have skill guys that are from the Midwest. You have skill guys that are from sunny places. And I think that having snow on the field at 25 degrees definitely tilted the field in our favor. And um, I don't feel bad about that at all. I always hate in bowl games when, you know, we go to Pasadena and play UCLA in the Rose Bowl, and that's their backyard. You know, of course, a neutral site, 
neutral. Yeah. Um, but I think those guys struggled uh, playing in the, in the elements and that's what big 10 football is about. If you don't, if you're a fan of big 10 football and you didn't like this game or you don't like, you know, I was just downstairs watching Michigan state, Penn state in a whiteout game. If you don't like that, you might want to find a different conference because this is the most exciting environment you can play in football. Yeah. As I look over my shoulder, there's probably about an inch, inch and a half of snow like accumulated on the field now. So it's coming. Um, would have been cool to see a little more of it during the game. But, hey, you know what? The game was what it was. I want to talk kind of big picture things, and I think maybe we'll start bringing up some comments from people because um, we'll do the the fuller in-depth thing tomorrow. But basically what happened on Saturday is that Michigan beat the holy hell out of Ohio State for 60 minutes playing its own brand of football when people like me, um, I think at times you and I have, have you know questioned the brand of football they were playing. If that was enough to beat Ohio State – if that was enough to win a Big Ten championship those type of showdown games now. Um, they went out and dictated the type of game they were going to play against the Buckeyes. And I think that's maybe the, mo- the most stunning thing of all is that, uh, first of all, I'm very happy to be wrong. I think all of us are happy to be wrong. But um, this has right. to be – yeah, this has to – well, you picked you picked a win. But I did. throughout the year, I mean, there, there were the questions for sure. And it's uh, – I can't think of, you know, I've been following Jim Harbaugh's coaching career since, you know, before, you know, while he was at Stanford, all that, before we ever thought Michigan was even a speck of possibility that that could happen. This is the best coach team of his I've ever seen. And this is probably the most mentally resilient team of his I've ever seen. I would agree with that. And I would agree with that, even though I was getting pretty frustrated defensively that we were getting caught up in some of the tempo things and not lined up guys hand signaling when the ball's being snapped. But offensively, we were a machine. I don't even know if we had a penalty on offense. Uh, we were, we may have had a false start, I believe, that gave us a, from a first and 10 to a first and 15. But outside of that, we played the cleanest game. And Cade threw, that's one of those plays where, oh, dude, you got to check. They got two high safeties. We called a, a pass trying to catch them being run heavy on first and 10. And he threw that into triple coverage. That was, I mean, he knows that that was a bad throw. But outside of that, that was exactly what the game plan was. If you could have asked Harbaugh on Monday before this game, what would you like to do in this game? control the possessions, long drives, get Haskins going, you know, get six yards per carry, all these things that you would check, have boxes that you want checked in this Ohio State game that's going to make this game go in your favor. We were able to do all those things. And, um, you know, it was just one person I want to shout out just from someone that I watched in the game, Andrew Vistardis. He's had so uh, I mean, he's been as an lineman, you hear his name a little bit, but that dude was on fire today. That guy was always six yards down the field with his body in front of another guy's body and moving. And the offensive line, specifically guard center guard, controlled this game. Uh, I can't name you. What was Ohio State's defensive tackles names? I don't know because they weren't involved. I don't know the middle linebacker's name because he wasn't involved. These guys were not factors because of how well we played up front. And I think it was you that said this, like if we can control the line of scrimmage and whoever has the more yards per carry or something to that effect will win this game. Absolutely right. I mean, we controlled the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively. And that made it to where Ohio State was behind the woodshed with us getting taken advantage of. This was also a game, too, that was kind of like a a body snatch or a body swap in that when things have gone wrong in this game for Michigan in the past, that's typically when the mistakes have spiraled and an unraveling happens. Ohio State was by far the the more undisciplined team. There was the play down in the end zone where one of their defensive backs flipped off someone's helmet and chucked it 50 yards down the field. And um, 
I think the the most telling stat of this game, I think, is who um, who kept their cool and who didn't make the big mistake. Ohio State had ten penalties for sixty six yards. Five or six of those was because that crowd out there today was insane. It was the most uh, most electric I've ever seen this place. They were into it. They were out there freezing their asses off, waving their maze pom poms, yelling and screaming. And um, you know, Ohio State was off schedule a lot of times on offense because of that. Because there were those five false starts. So. And only two – this is the – I mean, this might be the stat of, of all stats for Michigan. Two penalties, 20 yards on the day. That's it. It was the false start. I think it was on Eric All, And then the running into the punter. That was it. Or, yeah, the running into the returner. That was Hit it. Catch interference, yep. Yep, that was it. Yep. So, I mean, hats off to them for that as well. And they played really smart. I mean, I was really worried. I saw – and I tweeted about it, but I saw that one of the refs from the 2016 game was part of this crew, and I was like, how did this happen? As reported um, by Chris Ballas of the Wolverine. Yeah, thank you, Chris. But uh, there, there's um, – you know, there were opportunities where we were playing physical on the edge, and I thought it was the same both ways. It was consistent. Very rarely will you sit here and say, oh, that was a well-officiated game. They did not impact the game, which is what I think is necessary in order to see two juggernauts slug it out. And that's what happened. I thought I was like at the corners. I mean, again, Vincent Gray had one caught over his head. Awesome play by Roman Wilson. DJ Turner uh, uh, just continues to be in terrific. DJ Turner is going to have a five or six interception season. It's coming. It wasn't this year, but it's coming. He's right in phase all the time. He's always in the right spot. Um, these guys really showed out without, you know, you won't see it on ESPN of watch Michigan secondary versus Ohio. That won't happen. But for someone who, you know, studies the game, watches the game, and wants to see good football being played, our secondary stepped up and played a tremendous game against some guys that are going to be top draft picks in a lot of fantasy leagues in 2022, 2023, 2024. You know, there's three guys on that Ohio State team that are all going to be playing on Sunday for multiple, multiple years. So awesome. Just awesome. Uh, someone else who I think deserves a game ball for how he performed. It didn't play a big role in the game, but Blake Corum uh, made a few of the biggest plays of the game. Clear. I mean, he only had the six carries, but 87 yards. He had that 55 yarder. Um, you could tell he was in so much pain still. And he was, he was able to do what he did on Saturday sh- through sheer force of will, which was so that's just what this team has been all year. Uh, Eric all did it a couple weeks ago at Penn state. It got him a win. Um, really think that guy deserves a shout out too. Um, I think we can take some questions from the chat now. We won't stay too much longer because we want to do the live show. I mean, oh, my God, we have almost 600 people watching us live right now, Ryan. I know you played in front of 110,000 people, but 600 on here, that's that's a big number. So. 600 in my daughter's nursery. I know you guys love the background here. I'm not <laughs> I, in the you know, office. But. I said this before we recorded, too. Um, this was Ryan's daughter's first Michigan-Ohio State game. She's undefeated. So that's Undefeated. The tie Never is completely Michigan lost. That's right. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of wins in that family. You've got the other win. I mean, the, the Van Bergens are, are responsible for two wins in the last 10 years. I mean, yeah. we should get you on the sideline or in the stadium. Hey, whatever's going to work. Let's, let's just keep the, keep the momentum rolling. I don't see a lot of questions in the chat. It's just people essentially doing what we said we might be doing, just like making noises and yelling and typing in all caps. Um, I will bring this up because we just talked about it. This is from, I mean, this again, this is a bunch of words and letters here. Uh, from whatever that username is. Can we just acknowledge that this was a really well-officiated game? I think it was, for the most part. Um, I can't think of the one thing that, I mean, this isn't even an official thing, uh, officiating thing. The Fox broadcast. I mean, I, we were here watching the game, but we had the TVs up above us. Can we get a replay or somewhere? It, it just seemed like, I don't know, how did that, how was that at home? 
Uh, there was definitely some plays where you wanted to see it again. There was just a couple that you don't know how much they would impact the game. And honestly, I'm not a big fan of replay. I like the, the flow of the game and keeping things moving. But there was one time where we like sw- caught a swung, swing route on like second and eight, and it looked like we got a first down, but then all of a sudden we're at third and two. And we don't really know what happened. I would love to see a replay there. Um, there was one that Smith or J- Jabwo caught like at the 12 in the second half that everybody on the Michigan team was going like this, like he didn't have possession and hit the ground and they allowed him to snap it quick and get it done. But overall, I just, I feel like this game is what you should do, which is let the boys play, let the boys play. Um, You know, and and especially in the passing game, you've just got to be consistent. If you're going to call every little hold, every little pull, everything in the secondary, just call it both ways or do what you did today, which I thought was awesome. You let the boys play. You know, there was nothing crazy over the top where I thought that they missed a call on either side. Obviously, I'm biased, but um, I thought they let him play to the level of physicality that you should be able to play without interrupting or interfering uh, with the passing game. And um, overall, I thought it was a really well-officiated game. Obviously, we, people could probably say, oh, you're a Michigan fan. You won. Of course you think the Michigan, <laughs> the fans were, the refs were good. But I thought they were fair. You know, I, I don't know if you're an Ohio State fan that you can argue that they didn't have five false start penalties. Those were all real. I mean, it just is what it is. Not only that, but you had false starts. You had like three bad snaps that almost went through. I reiterate, Ohio State was shook up in this game. They looked like they came in a little bit scared. And I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But they lost the edge that is the Buckeye edge. And now it's time to capitalize. Let's have an eight-game win streak on our side. Let's just yeah. – yeah, maybe so let's get someone, a little aggressive. But I'm not excited. Getting, someone, someone over there is getting fired for this. Who, oh, yeah. who cares? But whatever. Um, there was another point I was going to make about the officiating. Oh, when the report came out yesterday from Chris that it was going to be that the official, one of the officials from the game in 2016, I saw someone tweet out like, well, the only thing he can really do to prove he's not biased is call a game in favor of Michigan. So not saying that happened, but um, yeah, I mean, just overall the hope was something like that. And I'm not a, I'm not a blame. I've never been a blame the refs guy or blame the officials, anything like that. But you just hope that it was a game like this where you let the two teams settle it on the field, because I think it was pretty clear over the course of that last that 60 minutes, Michigan was the better football team and was pretty handily. So um, this one's from Jesse, who asks, if I can add it to the broadcast here, uh, looking forward, who do we want, Wisconsin or Iowa? you have any thoughts on that? I honestly think we want Iowa. It's always tough to beat a team twice, and Wisconsin seems to have found their phase here in the second half of the season. Um, they definitely seem like a better team than when we were in Camp Randall. Iowa's a good team, too. Nothing to take away from them. But I think Iowa's offense struggles. And Iowa's strength of their defense is their secondary. They have, I think, the most interceptions or top 10 in interceptions in in the conference. Well, McNamara can win against Ohio State only throwing 13 completions. We don't have to throw the ball to beat good teams. I mean, I hate to say that and be that guy, but it's just true. We did it against Ohio State, threw the ball 19 times and only completed 13, zero touchdowns from our passing game, and we won you know, and scored 40 points. So I kind of want Iowa because I think matchup wise, they're going to struggle. I do feel confident and feel like we'll probably be a favor favorite um, regardless of who we play. But personally, I think I'd rather see Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa team. I like that matchup just a little bit better, Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think Wisconsin is beatable for a second time, but if you had to ask me, who would you prefer to play and pick your poison? I think I would pick the Iowa Hawkeyes on first response. All right, this one's from Cody Green. Uh, how big was Josh Gaddis's play calling today? 
fantastic. I mean, from the first series, you knew something was going well. Uh, to set up the A.J. Henning end around, uh, like in the middle of the field, and then you saw that schematic delayed reverse end around, excuse me, that scored our first touchdown, that was a composer in front of a seven-string orchestra just putting you on strings. Everybody from Ohio State fell for that fake. Everybody fell for it. Um, the flea flicker, you know, Cade puts that out there a little bit further. That's a touchdown. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but red zone wise, we've talked about even middle of the season, red zone wise. Six we for were seven today. The only six for seven for touchdowns, right? Yep. Or was it six for seven with a field goal? I believe they were all touchdowns. Say that. No, it can't be six touchdowns. Yeah, six touchdowns. Well, that's, yep, that's how math works. Holy crap. Yeah, that's how math works. Yeah, so <laughs> but six for seven. I mean, that talk about development as a coach, which you don't necessarily see a lot, and growth as a coach. You have a team that is operating pretty well, you know, moving the ball pretty well, and, and not a bad offense midway through the season. But you look at your statistics and you go, oh, in the red zone, we can't seem to do anything besides kick field goals. And then he makes an adjustment. And then Penn State, Ohio State, um, you know, Maryland, all of a sudden red zone offense, we score touchdowns. And that's a really tip of the cap, big credit to Josh Gaddis and really doing some self-evaluation and making some changes. You see Schoenmacher getting involved. Eric All was a little involved today. Donovan Edwards, I thought we could have found him more one-on-one where we didn't need him, but more one-on-one when they decide to cover him with a linebacker. Linebackers can't cover Donovan Edwards. So uh, I just feel like Josh Gaddis deserves a lot of recognition for how he developed this team and his game plan from even week seven to week 12. The five weeks of development from those weeks uh, put us in position to not just be a top 10 team, but be the Big Ten East champions and also be looking for Big Ten championship and that you know college football playoff berth all first times for us. There's a lot to, to burn down from this game, and we'll do it tomorrow. Um, the one, I guess the one thing I'll say before we get out, I mean, is this – when they do college football playoff rankings, early thoughts, they got to put Michigan at number two, right? That's where Ohio State was heading into today. I mean, two, three doesn't really matter, but it's got to be where they're at, right? I would believe so. I mean, I think you've got to let us jump Cincinnati. I, I'm I, I'm not against Cincinnati. I also, if I can throw a plug in, let's get them in the Big Ten. I think that'd be a good thing because it would deter recruits from Ohio State. All of a sudden, <laughs> Ohio State has someone in state that – you know, is a good program for as an alternative if you're not going to start at Ohio State. But um, I think that Michigan has to jump Cincinnati as a one-loss team over an undefeated Cincinnati team uh, and go to number two. And it'll be interesting to see because I feel like there's been a conversation of whether or not, you know, a two-loss Alabama team gets in over over uh, Cincinnati, if should they get to the SEC championship and lose to Georgia, if, they, if those are their losses. It'll be interesting to see, does Ohio State have any chance? Uh, as the two lost team, I, I, I don't know. They lost to Oregon and Oregon. I don't know how they're going to finish, you know, but they're going to be a two lost team. That is that it feels a lot better to be in this spot than the team that yeah. have helped to get in the playoff, right? Absolutely. We're not in the other spot. <laughs> Hot so, take. Uh, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see because uh, I guarantee you some people in Ohio, they're already mad, but they're going to be even more mad when they're one spot behind Cincinnati for the college football playoff. So uh, good luck. I bet you that tea's a little bitter. Good. Enjoy drinking it. Just a bit, right? Uh, I don't have <laughs> I don't have anything. I mean, any other visceral reactions before we – I mean, this is – I can't wait to go back and watch this one. I'll probably do it at some point tonight, assuming I get home, you know, in the next couple hours or so. It's snowing pretty badly here now. But um, any other thoughts? I mean, it's just I, – I, I can't say I didn't think this day would come, but – 
I didn't think this day would come in September or in this fashion. I thought we maybe squeak it out. You know, I thought, I think we all maybe thought if Michigan had a chance to be, we squeaked it out. We figured out a way to win. We dominated this game, dominated this game out of nowhere. You know, I, I thought there would be times where we could pull ahead or momentum may swing one way or the other. I never felt momentum go Ohio state's favor from, from the first snap. And, you know, that's amazing. I guess if I were to say one thing, just to kind of make my sentimental plug, is as Michigan fans, the fan base, we are we expect high things, and there's nothing wrong with that. We have high standards. We've always had high standards. We will continue to have high standards. Harbaugh has been raked over the coals. Gaddis has been raked over the coals. A lot of these players have been raked over the coals. Let's lift them up just as high as we've tried to drag them down, including myself, because Harbaugh – did something that people didn't think he could do. They thought he didn't have the capability to do it. Not only did he do it, his DNA, according to Paul Feinbaum, even though he did it several times as a player. (laughs) Yeah. But let's lift this guy up and, and be, he should be on people's shoulders uh, for what he's been able to do with this team. And, um, you know, we should have some security. Uh, it doesn't help recruiting to have the question of will he be re- Harbaugh be around next year. You know, it doesn't help recruiting to have all these question marks of are we a you know top ten team, and a lot of those are reasonable and justifiable critiques of the 2018, 2019, 2020 teams. But like this year, let's relish, let's relish in this, let's boost these guys up, let's thump our chest, wear your colors proudly because. Uh, this could be the turning point that I thought we may have had in 2011 to where Michigan's no longer just a top 30 team. Michigan is a top 10 team and going to be competing for the college football playoff. And what else can you possibly want from your university besides winning the Big East, going to the Big Ten Championship, having a chance to bring a ring home, and also go to the playoff? It's as ideal as it gets for a season, regardless of what may have happened earlier. It's it's exactly where we want what we want as a team, and we should all be so happy and just kind of rejoice. Don't pick it apart, just love it, bask in it. Let me ask you this: Have you talked to any guys from your 2011 team today at all? <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a group chat since we started this that now has 35 text messages in it. Um, <laughs> everybody's stoked. Uh, I will say, Denard Robinson is is is, is geeked. Uh, Brandon Graham's going nuts. A lot of these big guys that have played before are all going crazy, and it's all joyous you know all for these guys because everybody understands you know brandon graham tremendous player didn't win against ohio state you know there's a lot of guys that unfortunately have the bear that cross as great players that had great careers on great teams for michigan and um you know even if you haven't won this game you know the significance of what it's like for these guys right now that are stripping their pads off and just got to sing the victors in the locker room with each other it's the best moment you can spend in that locker room. And don't get me wrong, any moment spent in that locker room, even if it's by yourself and empty, is gives you goosebumps. But um, the, the experience in that locker room after a victory over Ohio State at home, there's nothing like it. Uh, it, it compares to childbirth and having your first baby. I just went through that. It's not on that level, but it is close. And it's closer than you may think. So um, just bask in it. And I'm sure all these guys that I'm hearing from this group chat are thinking the same thing. Yeah, there's – God, you guys crack me up. There's someone in the comments talking about Harbaugh's and, and Gaddis's play calling. You know, they won. They beat Ohio State. Like, let's not do that today. Um, Trade teams. God, that, find someone else to be a fan of. We're okay. Was, uh, we'll, t- we'll do without you. No, that Brian, that was so much fun. And, and like I said, right now there are we're up to over there were 800 people on this at, at at a moment, and most of them are. If you are, please hit the like button below. Hit the subscribe button. Um, the Wolverine.com is on the On Three Network now. You can get a year. You can get a year 
after this game for one single dollar. There's not a Black Friday deal out there that's better than that. Um, so please hope you guys take advantage of that. Uh, you guys that are listening afterwards on the podcast, leave us a good review. Uh, subscribe, Apple, Google, Spotify. I I mean, this to, to sum it up, Ryan, I mean, there are there are games where you feel pumped up after a win. This feels like getting off of a roller coaster where you're just you're so you're so overwhelmed by what just happened, and you'll process it later, which we will on Sunday morning. But um, this is just the weight off of the shoulders of a, a fan base, a coaching staff, a city, a campus, a state. It's just it's immeasurable today, and, and I can't. Uh, it happened. I don't know how else to say it. So, any other reactions? Nope. Ah, there we go. Down it. Yes. I'll go blue. I'll be joining go you in blue. that. Uh, be joining you in, in not too long in, in downing. That's a two hearted too. That's not a light beer. No, that's he's not down in Coors Light. That's that's for that's an Ohio State beer. So, um, all right, guys, thank you so much for watching, uh, for listening after the fact. This has been so much fun um, to do these these after the fact uh, during these games. And next weekend we got. We got we got at least we got one more, have at least two more, maybe three more. Who's to say? You know, you never know what happens. But I wouldn't put anything past this team. Um, so for Ryan Van Bergen, this is Anthony Broom. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll talk to you again soon.